What is the sound of one hand clapping? Quietness. What? No, try again. What? I left my wallet in the bathroom. You know what that means? Not really. Is this thing on? This is Big Green. Oh. I was expecting something much more interesting. With Brubaker, with Brubaker. We've got a lot to talk about this month. We do. Hot off the election. Hot off Hurricane Sandy. I still can't get over it. We've also got another episode of Mr. Ned the Talking Dressage Horse. Jesus Christ is here as well. Yes, and Moses. And Lincoln. He's all the rage now. (laughs) Daniel Day Lincoln will be with us as well. An Englishman. Couple of songs. Check out. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to This is Big Green. November edition. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in America. The United States of America, that is. Well, um, I'm recording this a little early, uh, just before the election, and I just wanted to get a last-minute endorsement in for Mr. Willard Mitt Romney for president. I want to encourage everyone to go out and vote for Mitt Romney. Quickly. I'm sure by the time this airs, Mitt will have had a wonderful victory. And you can thank yourselves and your lucky stars that we shall be led by such a man of stature. Or a man of such stature, I should say. Anyway, now that that's over, Big Green has no sponsors this month. Kind of disappointing. Once again, we've been shunned. Oil and gas industry has abandoned us. Damn it. They saw me hanging around with Bill McKibben. Anyway, um, we do have another episode of of Mr. Ned, the singing, dancing dressage horse. But before that, we're going to listen to a recording we made of a song that we used to play in our club days. This is a previous, previously unreleased recording of a song called My Bed. It's written by my brother Matt. And it goes something like this. Here it is. Drafting to the metamorphic heights 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Now let's hear from Mr. Ned. Ha! This is Lee Majors. Last week on Mr. Ned, Willard and his talking dressage horse found themselves on board an incredible starship. After a close scrape with some hostile aliens, they tried to return to Earth and to their usual hilarious barnyard antics. Things didn't work out the way they planned, and now they find themselves stranded in an improbable science fiction future. Stay tuned. Space. The ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the Starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length. Um, until we're canceled, I guess. To seek out strange new commodities. Exploitable alien workforces to brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before.
Hey, Ned, maybe being stranded here on this futuristic set won't be so bad after all. I mean, at least I'm the captain here, and it's my ship, my ship. I'm like the president, or the CEO of the spaceship, right? It seems like wherever I go, you're in charge of me. Even on my own show, you're somehow in charge. Hey, Ned, I know. Let's go check the computer records to see how successful my presidency was. Hopefully there's enough room in the memory banks for all of my many accomplishments. I suspect that the computer isn't big enough to fit that much malarkey, Willard. Come on, Ned. Let's mosey up to your science station and look me up. You can give it a try, Ned, but I think you'll find there's precious little accurate information after 1968. Why? Did the evil Obamulans infect the ship's systems with a computer virus that erases all positive historical data regarding conservatives? No, well, they may have done something like that via an interstellar version of the Brookings Institute. But the main reason is that this show was canceled in 1968. The best they could do before that was to invent a future based solely on the immediate plot demands of individual episodes. You know, that's exactly the way I run my public life. So was there or wasn't there really a World War III in the 1990s? That was the eugenics war that began when a race of genetically bred supermen set out to conquer the entire world. Wait, how did I know that? Well, Mr. Nixon, sir, <laughs> and might I add that it's a pleasure to be with you here once again on the bridge of the free enterprise. I don't remember anything like that happening in the 1990s. Of course, at that time I was busy taking advantage of recently relaxed global financial regulations to build a corporate juggernaut that would plunder the wealth of five continents. And I was simultaneously raising my five genetically perfect super sons. I think we may have stumbled upon that eugenics war. No, I certainly don't recall having to apply for any missionary duties in France during that time. Commodore on the bridge. Gosh, you look great, sir. I take it the heart transplant was a complete success. Yeah, uh, who are you? The elevator door officer. <laughs> no, I'm Captain Willard Mitt Romney. You just did a secret ten gazillion dollar fundraising event for me in Florida. It was all kind of hush-hush with no pictures of us together. And now you thought it'd be a good thing to point that out on network television, eh? <laughs> point taken, Commodore. To what do we owe the pleasure of your presence on the bridge? Well, frankly, I don't think your pleasure has much to do with it. I've got this new ticker in my chest, and apparently it's not all that it should be. That's because it's Wolfwood's heart. He really let himself go after the pullout of major combat forces from Iraq. I swear it broke his heart. That would be a Jew heart, wouldn't it? Um, yes, Mr. President. Wow, the aliens who programmed this Nixon android really did their homework. <laughs> well, it's true that we were all pretty broken up about that darn war ending. Only about half as many opportunities to make profit there now. Hmm. Now, that's the country that starts with an I and does have warm water ports, right? The point being, this substandard ketchup pump is cramping my style. I'm used to polishing off a couple of steers a week. I like them nice and rare. Rare steers. I suppose they're on the endangered species list, where there are hampering industry and job creation. Those environmentalists are costing us so many good, high-paying jobs. <laughs> he meant rare and not rare, Mitt. And also, you might try relaxing. You don't need to run for the captaincy of the ship. You've been duly appointed by God and by Starfleet. Now Doc Coburn is trying to put me on some mamby-pamby sissified sushi diet. Oh. If I weren't a robot, I'd chuck, you know, spit up. 
The point is, if I've got to eat space sushi, it's going to be red space sushi. So you, horse, report to my chef by 0800 hours, or by whatever space time you folks call supper time. You heard the Commodore, Ned. You better get your affairs in order. Have your agent contact my accounting firm. Though I'm hoping that I can still claim you as a deduction on my 2012 fall tax filing, I think I can. Hey, you're talking about me like I'm not even here. And where does he get off issuing orders? I thought you were the captain of the free enterprise. Your problem is you talk too much and you smell. This space service has a personal hygiene code for its officers, and my bet is you've broken the Limburger threshold. Helmsman, open up the windows on this thing. The damn place smells like a barn. Well, lay that order, Helmsman. Shouldn't we also open up a few of the really, really big doors, like the ones where the space minivans are parked? Captain, and, uh, Commodore, if we open up any of the ports, we'll depressurize the free enterprise. Yeah, and we'll all be sucked out into the merciless void of space, or even worse, onto the set of Mission Impossible. To see me die again. Now that would be a terrible price for any people to have to pay. As usual, you chair-bound carpet bushers have spoiled the operation. The idea is to keep the threat of excruciating death as real as possible for the enemy, or for the potential food item, until we get the information we want, or the meat we need to sustain ourselves. What you said is so true, Commodore, sir. (laughs) It's like sublime space poetry. Listen, I've received orders on high to hightail it to the Bonethar system. This is an urgent Priority One directive. Wow, I guess Starfleet's command really needs the free Enterprise to engage in a rescue operation. Gee whiz, how thrilling is that? We're not playing beer twister at some fret party at Starfleet's Academy. Those plebes have about as much backbone as you and that ton of horse meat you rode in on. This is a real deal. No holds barred profit venture we're talking about here. So the order came directly from the Halliburton Space Cabinet. That's right. And to make sure the ship surpasses its usually low expectations, I've been authorized to assume command and to proceed to Bonthar with all haste. Hey, wait a minute. Only Willard, I mean, the captain, can command this ship. Hey, horse, shouldn't you be slogging down a trough of my favorite meat tenderizer by now? <laughs> well, that's nice, Ned. The Commodore wants to treat you to his own special recipe for a senior equines. Doorman, bring me a cigar. All right, that's me. Coming right up, sir. Believe me, Dick, I've got nothing but the greatest admiration for you and all you've accomplished, in government stables and in the galactic free market. Well, naturally. You're the one they call Pearl, right? Are you related to Pearl Bailey? Um, no, Mr. President. I was talking to Commodore Janey. Anyhow, Dick, we all signed on to be part of Mitt's team. As much as we appreciate the whole private sector initiative thing, I think the captain should have command... Couldn't you just be like an advisor or a private contractor with special superpowers? Don't forget the riches. He'd have riches, too. Okay, let's talk about who really has the proper qualifications to fly this crate of melon heads. Well, you were both CEOs of big corporations, so in my book, either one of you would be qualified to drive a spaceship. Yeah, we're just the same. Except that Halliburton actually made something and did something somewhere. Lots of wares, as a matter of fact. While the governor of Massachusetts' firm made nothing but paper. Paper on paper. 
<laughs> well, I think Bane did take over a few paper mills. Those leverage buyout deals were the same as Rob and Peter to suck off Paul. And that's all you're good at, Romney, is sucking. Why do I always end up on the most homophobic ships? Commodore, I really worry about you getting your blood pressure up too high. I don't think that even our attrition rate is high enough to meet your demand. Your pathetic attrition rate gives me a bellyache, and I've got a beauty right now. But should a man who has had 12 heart attacks and 3 heart transplants in the last 4 months be engaging in such a stressful occupation like commanding a starship? In my day, Republicans didn't attack other Republicans. It was the 60s, summer of love. National Guardmen were shooting carnations at hippies and negroes. Meanwhile, more flowers were blooming somewhere in the desert. Jungles were lighting up like Christmas trees. Kate Smith and Pearl Bailey were living together in perfect harmony. I'd love to give the world a Coke. Hey, and the Dick Cheney I knew had a lot more hair. Uh, go screw yourself, Nixon. No, let me make this perfectly clear. You go screw yourself, young man. <laughs> Shouldn't we try to watch the potty mouth, fellas? This show is on during the family hour. I can think of some delightful Mormon families in particular that will be in for some ear-washing after tonight's episode. Well, they may have expected that a show about space sailors might feature a lot of semen spouting off. Really, you guys could knock it off any time now. Dick, I think you made your point. Perhaps you should go back to sickbay and have the doc check you out. I'm an android. If I was to have a checkup, it would be by an engineer. Wrong dick again. I meant the Commodore. Did someone call for an engineer? No, Mr. Welsh. We're just trying to resolve a crisis of command. For Christ's sake, if you do not want an engineer to answer, then do not call one. I was in the middle of my... I didn't want to have to do this, but this mission is just too vital to the future of our Confederation. I'm assuming command of the Free Enterprise. Hey, that goes against Starfleet's regulation. It's Willardship. Willardship. It's my prerogative as a Starfleet's Commodore to do whatever the fuck I like. The last guy that had a problem with that had his face introduced to Phaser Setting 3. Captain Harry told me, via a ten-minute volley of bulb flashes, that his face was accidentally blasted off in a space-hunting accident on planet Mangus Heap. He said that the two of you had gone there together on a Mugatu hunt. But there are no Mugatus on Magnus Heap. And there aren't any Mugatus here, either. Just the faces of guys who aren't willing to let me have what I want. I think I speak for the entire crew when I say, What are your orders, Commodore? That's more like it. See how easily we can all get along once we all assume our natural levels? Helmsman, go to course 2973. Point six, and give me warp factor seven. But sir, that course will take us into the neutral zone. We'll be violating our own truce with the Romulan Empire. I mean, we hate everything they stand for, but they have been keeping our bush wars warm for us. Not nearly warm enough. Helmsman, follow my orders, or you'll be testing out the new high setting in the agony booth for the rest of this voyage.
Willard, that senile elder statesman is going to get our giblets cauterized. Captain, what should I do? <laughs> you know, crewman, back in the days of the old-style sailing ships, men used to risk their lives in search of greater riches for much richer men. Those sailors are forgotten now. <laughs> they are no more than floating skeletons in the sea. Their ships are rotten hulks on the ocean floor. But the profits from their risk lives on as legacies for younger, richer men. You know, profiting from other people's risk is a great business. That's why we're aboard the free enterprise. Now, I'm not about to order this crew to risk something other than the capital of faceless taxpayers. But I do submit. Are you about finished? Yes, sirree. Helmsman, carry out my order. Uh, yes, sir. Course laid in. What factor seven? Commodore, sir, if you don't mind me asking, what are your plans once we reach the neutral zone? Are you planning to make a preemptive attack on the Obamulan homeworld? If so, I'm all for it, but I suggest that you drop me off at the nearest Murdochian outpost so I can start selling the idea to Confederation media markets. No time for that, mister. We've got a rendezvous to keep with the U.S. neocon. They're going to supply us with a vital intelligence that we need. Packaged. After that, we're heading directly to the Bonethar system. Bonethar? But that whole system is being destroyed by a black hole. <laughs> but aren't there billions of credits sitting in tech shelters on Bonethar? And it's three moons? Then this is a cash rescue operation. Not unusual business for the free enterprise. The Bontharians are going to try to put a hold on all cash transfers. It's the only thing they have left to bargain with in order to save their own miserable hides. We're not going there to rescue piddling sums or to bargain with the doomed. While that mineral-rich planet is being pulled apart by a black hole, it's going to make accessible trillions of credits worth of dilithium, trilithium, and even the rarest of the rare, quadrilithium. No tariffs, fees, or taxes. All of it available for the taking, and we'll be there to beam it into our refitted cargo holds. Refitted cargo holds? What is he talking about? It means the whole ship is a cargo hold now. I wondered what became of my walk-in polo shoe closet. <laughs> Halliburton tried that mining technique before. The result was a dead crew and a starship compressed to the size of a lima bean. And Commodore, you came out of it with an approval rating of negative 14. Now that's not fair, Ned. That's only because the polling firm included the opinions of those recently made dead. We made a mistake, then. We tried to beam up the precious cargo from too far away. This time we'll do it while maintaining a standard orbit around Bonethar. That's insane! You can't maintain an orbit around a planet that's being ripped apart and sucked into a black hole. Get Dr. Coburn up here right now to certify this guy is incontinent. I mean incompetent. You can't do that now. He's busy counseling Ensign Ensign on how to remain in the Space Jesus Fellowship while shagging the Denebian Ambassador's consort. Well, I guess we wouldn't want to interrupt that. But the Commodore here is staking all of our lives on a pretty warped interpretation of physics. Oh yeah, horse. Seems to me that physics in general are pretty loose concepts on this show. I mean, suddenly you're coming up with a crap rule that says the highly improbable is impossible. I mean, you are a talking horse, right? 
that's not fair. My show's physics were grandfathered in when the new rules took effect. Captain and um, Commodore were entering the neutral zone. Where's the U.S. Neocon, and how will we recognize it? That's easy. It's a cruiser with a giant chicken painted on its bottom. Oh, Communications officer, see if you can raise the neocon. <laughs> you know, we didn't actually get around to assigning a communications officer yet. You know what, pal? You're the communications officer now. If you read me loud and clear. <laughs> okay, well, let's see here. I'll just press this button here and turn this little blue knob a bit. Yep, there is a sound effect. Commodore, there's the U.S. neocon. Coming on screen. And now I'll push this pretty little red button here and... Phaser? Commodore, we just destroyed the U.S. Neocon. Captain Romney, you idiot. I'd send you to the brig, but you'd probably find a way to blow us up from there. Back in my Navy days, I got to be pretty good at cards. Does anyone want to play some hands of five-card spit? Bolton, please take the captain to the brig. Take that stupid horse, too. He could wait there until the chef has got the cooker ready. Oh, yeah. Take the Nixon robot as well. I think we might have Engineer Welsh convert him into some type of pleasure vehicle for my exclusive use. Lock him up with the others. Aye, aye, sir. This way, Captain. You too, Mr. Ned and Nixon. I've never been in a turbo lift with a horse before. This should be fascinating. Captain's Log. Stardate 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. After I inadvertently destroyed the U.S. Neocon, which I'm pretty sure would have blown up anyway, <laughs> Science Officer Ned, the android President Nixon, <laughs> yes, and myself, have been locked up in the ship's brig. Commodore Cheney has assumed command of the Free Enterprise, which is completely understandable given the vital importance of this mission. I'm sure that the obscene amount of profit yielded to a handful of gazillionaire investors will be justification enough for this extraordinary action. Willard, what kind of log entry do you call that? A crazy man just illegally commandeered your ship. He threw you in the brig. Um, excuse me, excuse me, but this is my log and I haven't finished talking it. Well, I'm glad you could still assert yourself with a dumb animal. That's reassuring. Willard, he's got your ship. He wants to make sushi out of me and turn the former President Nixon into an electric wheelchair. Are you just going to let that happen? Actually, I think that Mr. Nixon would make an excellent wheelchair. You know, I earned everything that I ever got, except for this bum rap, which I have received with the two of you here today. I never thought that I, Richard M. Nixon, would spend some time behind bars with such low-life types. No, that was for the likes of John Mitchell and that Magruder guy. Oh, yes, and Haldeman and Ehrlichman. It turned out that they were just no good. Hold the phone, young man. There's a piano forte in here. Yeah, Cheney uses that as an instrument of torture. I'm afraid these robotic fingers are a little rusty. Summertime. And the living is easy. 
fish are jumping and the cotton grows high. I oh, your dad is rich. Willard, I wonder what's going on right now up on the bridge. I don't know. Why don't we listen in? This is me switching on the intercom. Stupid fat bastard. That's the last time I'm giving an order twice. Security guard, throw Limbar into space. Good idea, sir. Also, he kept resetting the food synthesizer to churn out pastrami, bacon, and Limburger sandwiches. On rye. Can you believe it? On rye. You'll have to put the anti-grabs on him. He's big, unlike the last three. At this rate, there won't be enough officers left on the ship to make a panel of experts on Fox News. I don't recall giving you the permission to speak. You're agonizer, Mr. Pearl. Okay, sir, here it is. I'm all for over-the-top discipline, and of course, torture plays an important role in any hierarchical command structure. Commodore, you better use bot. I saw Mr. Pearl taking all the diodes out of his agonizer around the time you took over command. No, sir, please. I'm whipping myself now with this tricorder strap. Bad Richard! Bad Richard! Bad Richard! This is me, now switching off the intercom. <laughs> See, Ned, what real leadership can get men to accomplish? Willard, I've got an idea. If I could somehow reprogram President Nixon, we might just get out of here in time to save the ship and what's left to the crew. Well, normally I disagree with that type of anti-establishment proactiveness, but look at the time. I must be president-elect by now. And if we don't get back to the space-time portal, I won't be able to give my victory speech. It was seven years in the making. All I need is a screwdriver and a script from Lost in Space. <laughs> well, it just so happens that I carry a script from Lost in Space on my person at all times. It's part of my faith and my inexplicable and non-negotiable contract with my creator. I've also got some pictures of the Jupiter 2 spaceship in my wallet. Hey, and I can make a screwdriver. Where's the bar? Right over here, Mr. President. I'm trying, Commodore, but we can't enter into orbit around a planet that's being sucked inside of a black hole. I'm not interested in your excuses, mister. Assume orbit and configure a tractor beam so it could start harvesting that precious sweet ore. Commodore, we're receiving millions of distress calls from the planet. Should I take the phone off the hook, sir? Yes. I mean, make that negative. Their blood-curdling screams can be the triumphant musical score to the Dance of Patriots. Helmsman, initiate the tractor beam. Now that's free market poetry, sir. Uh, yes, sir. But we still haven't managed to stabilize our orbit. Lieutenant Commander Pearl, analyze the quality of the ore coming in on that beam. What does its purity ratio look like? I don't really know how to work these science station controls. I mean, science, yuck. But as far as I can tell, what we're getting is pretty much pure. Uh, pure fucalite, sir. Commodore, we've been caught by the gravitational pull of the black hole. We're being pulled inside.
What? Fucalite? Ambassador Alpha Gronk assured me that there was dilithium pouring out of every crevice of that stupid planet of his. Pearl, get that Ambassador Lion sack on the line. And I mean now. Two million miles in closing to the black hole. Commodore, it would appear that the entire capital city on Bonathar has turned into a molten pool of a, a molten lava stuff. He's gonna be sorry. Mr. Sulu, lock phasers on the molten capital city and fire! 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 Firing phasers. A hit. No effect, sir. It's still a pool of lava. Oh, and by the way, 1.2 million miles in closing to the black hole. Lock phasers onto the most popular vacation resort city for Bonatharian ambassadors. Um, sir, I think it's safe to say that that city, too, is a smoking lava pit already. When I want your opinion, I'll consult my own flatulent ass. Fire phasers on that resort city, now! Commodore, we've lost all power to the weapons. Hey, guys! Captain on the bridge! My god, I never thought I'd be so happy to see Ron. It's good to be back on the bridge. I see everything looks fine up here. You've got kind of a Guantanamo-themed decor now. I like the special little touches, like the officers hanging in stress positions with bags over their heads. <laughs> I take it we're at war. Captain, we're two minutes away from being sucked inside a tremendous black hole. No! You're supposed to address that to me! Helmsman, I order you to jump through that view screen! No! Might as well at this point. Romney, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be rotting in the brig... With those other traitors! Got him, boy! Brush, kill, destroy, crush, kill. My god, the Nixon robot has been turned into an instant destroyer and killer android, IDAC for short. Just like the kind created by the intergalactic department store on the show Lost in Space. No! Don't you understand? We've got to get that or! Or! No one relieves me of command! No one! For Christ's sake, he's having another heart attack. It's the worst one I've ever seen. You know it is. You know, Engineer Welsh, my wife Anne's father was born in Wales. What a beautiful country that is. The trees are all as small as leprechauns. (laughs) Just as they should be. Men, please carry the Commodore to sickbay. I guess he'll have his choice of transplant hearts this time. And some kidneys. And there's an arm over there. Goodness, there's certainly a lot of good, severe conservatives lying dead around this place. <laughs> we should make a neat pile with them. What a pleasant surprise it would be to their loved ones. Oh, yes, Mr. Sulu, what's the ship's status? Well, sir, we entered a black hole about two minutes ago, and the entire ship has been filled to the gunnels with molten fucalite, um, which is, I'm afraid, a valueless substance in our modern age. Not really, mister. For only a million credits down, the Confederation has agreed to guarantee our profits on this mission. And they'll be paying us, or uh, me, <laughs> a clean 50% of the value of this cargo, as if it really was priceless. <laughs> and what's 50% of priceless? That would be you, Willard. You and me.
Well, that was interesting. And now, time for Put the Phone Down with Matt Berry. Recording yet, are we? Yes, we are. Oh, actually. Jesus Christ. Now welcome. I feel stupid. Welcome to This Is Big Game. <laughs> Don't feel stupid, Matt. I feel, feel empowered. I feel stupid and dumb. Your voice is being broadcast across the ages. <laughs> Great. Already. That makes me feel better already. As well it should. It's like taking a get better pill. <laughs> it's like taking a big get better pill. So, Joe, what's what's happened so many Maybe. things have happened, I hardly know where to begin. <laughs> What's happened this month? Yes. Um, should we start with prominent deaths? Oh, uh, okay. It's just, so we're going to start on a down thing. Joe, we, no, we Let's can't start, start on something that, up. We can't start. Any reactions to last month's podcast? I don't think I heard any reactions whatsoever. <laughs> oh, <dear. I> can't, <laughs> that can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> Customer missing, presumed satisfied. <laughs> uh, I think everyone must have enjoyed it so much they were speechless. Yes. I can hear them enjoying it in yes. my mind, too. <laughs> yes. I hear them. Yes. We're giving you what you ask for, and you are enjoying it very, very yes, much. Everyone was, was asking for uh, adventures of a space horse. <laughs> a space horse named Melvin. I mean Ned. <laughs> Melvin. Melvin sounds better. Call than me Ned. Vince. <laughs> I knew this guy whose name was Melvin many many years ago, and he wanted to be known as Vince, but he would always. <laughs> we always would call him Melvin anyway, but um, he would say to us, "Hi, this is Vince. You know Melvin." So I mean, kind of ruined it right there. <laughs> I don't. It never quite stuck with him. He felt he always had to explain that it was, in fact, Melvin, not someone named Vince that we don't know. It's Melvins. Melvins. Oh, I kind of forgot about Melvins. I wonder what he's doing now. I wonder what he's doing now, Joe. Well, Matt. I think he could be out there. Vince. Vince. I know Melvin. Are you out there? <laughs> that doesn't sound like good things are happening with him with that chord. <laughs> Think back. Think back to the days of Melvin. So, Joe, what's happening in the news? Well, Matt, I hardly know where to begin. There was a presidential election. <laughs> there was a presidential election. <laughs> I can't, I can't work out the difference between my R's and my L's. Yeah, they come out the same way. You and Tom Brokaw. <laughs> Tom Brokaw. <laughs> was another good night for Walter Mondale. <laughs> yes, I still hear that in my dreams as well. Gosh. 
Yes, we were. Uh, yeah, well, it was a quite exciting evening. The uh, election, quite exciting. Yeah, it was very exciting too. It ended really early. I was expecting I'd have to spend a sleepless night, and I didn't. Well, that could be because they spent most of the previous two weeks saying, oh, we're going to be up late that night. It's going to be very, very close. Yeah, I know. They love it. And it works because it gets you to tune into them, you know, so that they could tell you that again. Yeah. Yeah, it was over quite early, a quarter after 11. Yeah. It was like, beep, oops. Still wasn't really... Well, wasn't it still not over for Carl Rove? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like, still trying to figure it out. He's still motioning to his interpreter. <laughs> Come on, this has to be wrong. <laughs> what about the white supremacist county in <laughs> Ohio? They haven't finished counting there yet. <laughs> <laughs> District 6, 6, 6, all that money. <laughs> no, poor Carl. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure... Uh, I was sure sorry to see that go. Crossroads GBS is going to fare next time around. (laughs) Donors. They'll all be standing in a queue to give their money to Crossroads GPS. I think we all know now what GPS stands for. What would that mean? Great piece of shit. (laughs) Oh, dear. And, yes. and Dick Army's group. There. <laughs> well, yes. What do you expect? The Dick, Dick Army. Army. Yeah. The Army of Dicks. Yes, I went wah, 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 so many times after. Yeah. Wah, for the wah, next day. Wah, wah. And then I realized, oh, yeah, and now we have Barack Obama as president. Yes. We need our sucky president back. <laughs> <laughs> we demand our sucky president. Same beats worse any day of the week. That <laughs> yeah, was good to see Romney lose. That was felt very good. I did take some pleasure in that. Yes. 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 Unfortunately, Barack Obama had to win for it, but I guess it's worth it. Though I liked his foreign policy. <laughs> <laughs> somebody actually said that to us about Nixon, right? Oh, somebody. <laughs> I, think, I think just about everybody said that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a common... Nixon's foreign policy, and then they started saying right. his domestic policy was pretty good too. So by the time he died, he was like the best president good? ever. I, I like this policy in Southeast Asia. That that was a great one. That was quite excellent. Uh, hang on, I've got to get the phone. <laughs> no, you could leave it on, Joe. So what? Hello? Oh, it's all okay, folks. The ribbon was found. It's all okay. I allowed it to be untied and it got all... We're doing the podcast right now, so you're immortalized. I allowed it to become untied and the ribbon was lost and we were worried that cats may may have gotten the ribbon. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Bye. Yes. uh, The ribbon holds... Uh, the top of the ice cream maker's hood on. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay. We have an ice cream maker, Joe. Because we were tired. I was tired of spending a gazillion dollars for like this, this rice cream stuff that I would get. This vegan product that has no soy in it either. It's like, as usual, something that I eat, so it has no ingredients. 
Soy Mitt Romney. And so Debbie had this great idea to, I know, let's make our own. And I thought, oh, great, it's probably going to taste even worse than the stuff that I buy for way too much money. <laughs> but it turns out it was just as good, the stuff oh, really? I make. Yes, it's really easy to do. You could put any old shit in there, Joe. Huh. You could take shit from the street, put it in the <laughs> ice cream maker. And it would literally taste, rocky road. It would taste better huh. than you know than Briars. production, yeah. <laughs> production <laughs> or ice cream. Hmm. Put in your favorite ice cream here. Is it a? Is it actually like a, if you put ice cream in the ice cream maker? So it's an, some kind of electric it's even more device. Realistic. Is it? Well, you just mix it in a stupid bowl, Joe, and then you pour the stuff, the contents, in this kind of mixer thing. And and it just mixes it for about twenty minutes, and then it's done. And then you twenty minutes, slap it in the freezer, and I thought, I can't believe that we waited this long to get one of these things. It saved us so much money, and now we could fund Crossroads GPS for the next forty-five thousand years. Think of how much you save on turkey jerky alone. <laughs> and now I can make a colorful jolly ham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'm not gonna explain Radish any roses. of that yes anyway he's so, channeling popeel from the 1980s so the election joe poor mitt romney that was very disappointing well now he's freed up to be the captain of the free enterprise yes as seen on in his new show and the king of sucktopia yeah right he's certainly that yeah he could he could have been a great figurehead for Zoctopia, though. <laughs> we will miss him. We will miss him. And now, what will he do? He'll just, like, sit around and be really rich? Um, yeah, he'll go home with his $100 million IRA, which I still can't figure out <laughs> how anybody gets $100 million into an IRA. I just don't understand that. I don't know. But, uh, I don't deal. know. Poor, poor man. Poor, poor. man. Poor man. You won't have Romney to kick around anymore, Joe. You won't have Romney to kick around anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. That's sad. That's extremely sad. Well, you know, if Barack Obama up, um, gets, uh, what's his name, uh, John Kerry to be his uh, secretary of state to replace Hillary Clinton, then maybe Mitt Romney can run for a senator in Massachusetts again. Now, you know what? Probably freaking Scott, Scott Brown. Brown will run, and then we'll have I'm him. sure he would. It's like, why would you want to choose someone in the Senate that's a sitting senator that's a safe seat? Why that, would uh, you want That seems like a really that? dumb idea. They did that before. Yeah, and don't, they, don't they like, choose senators. They... They chose a number of sitting senators that were replaced by Republicans. Or, or well, the, and they they took who's that stupid Homeland Security woman? That's Janet Napolitano. Yes, her. She was the the governor of um, Arizona. It was actually New Mexico. Oh, are you sure? I think so. Wasn't it? I thought she was replaced by Jan Brewer. I am so right, Joe. Well, you folks can look it up for yourself. 
But I was like, I was like thinking, oh great, you know, if he didn't choose her, then, you know, they wouldn't have gone through that papers please law and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, she came from Arizona, Joe. Yeah. I think you're right. Now that I think of it, because, uh... That guy who ran for president, what the hell's his name? Bill Richardson. Yeah, he was, was the governor, was governor of New, New Mexico. Shouldn't New Mexico just be part of Mexico, Joe? What the fuck? Would stop being new. <laughs> so is, is Rick going to secede again? It kind of sounds like they want to. They want to secede again. Yes. It's like if he can't be president, then he's going to secede. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take my state and go home. <laughs> I know. I was like, what the? Okay. Well, y- See you later. <laughs> you got to pray. You got to pray that perhaps they get their wish. <laughs> I, it's it's interesting. Uh Particularly since Texas receives a lot more from the government than it gives to the government. Yeah, well, so it's like so the, do almost all the yeah, red it's so, states. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like what? <laughs> what is there a complaint exactly? And I noticed that they're complaining no, Joe, particularly about the fact that Joe, but be- the Obama, uh, the people who vote for Obama do it because they get stuff. Oh yeah, they somehow. get all kinds of stuff. They. Yeah. It's like, and the the red states are all the ones that that get most of the tax revenue. So that's like, I know. It's like it seems like uh, they're the ones getting stuff. I yeah, help notice. And I've heard I've heard complaints about Hurricane Sandy, like you know, well, why do we have to pay for people on up in the northeast? Uh, I seem to remember when things got blown away in other parts of the country that (laughs) seeing as as essentially New York and New Jersey carry about. 50 states between them in terms of like tax revenue to the government they they don't they didn't seem to complain about yeah i know well uh you know mitt wanted to privatize that whole thing sure because that always works so well he was full of good ideas we'll have to pick his brain one of these days Uh, yeah he's available now we could probably just pay him to be our consultant as soon as he sobers up stops being bitter yeah he's like drinking fermented milk now <laughs> he lost florida good grief <laughs> yeah i know and after they work so hard to keep people from voting that <laughs> <laughs> was awfully sweet all those states that they work so hard to stop people from voting the thing that i thought about though was that they succeeded in probably keeping many, many oh, yeah, people yeah. from voting. Oh, yeah, they did. And they still lost. <laughs> and they still lost. I know. But you can imagine how badly they would have lost if they hadn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, if they, and if they hadn't had a billion dollars to spend, too. Right. Boy, they would have really lost bad. Because they're so reliant on just, like, denying people the franchise. <laughs> if, they, if they had as much as McCain had four years before. McCain. <laughs> McCain, the complete... Curmudgeon. I mean, have you heard him this? Was it just lately talking yeah. about UN Ambassador Rice and calling her stupid? And yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like wow. And his little his his little bulldog Lindsey Graham going, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, tell him Johnny. Yeah, yeah, tell him Johnny. Yeah, he's the guy. I mean, who, yeah, tell him Johnny. Yeah, <laughs> that, like that. Uh, 
Ambassador Rice, who I'm, of course, no huge fan of. Me neither. Just like anyone in the Obama administration. But honestly. But, I mean. I mean, come on. Here is John McCain who said she's not fit to be Secretary of State. He was going to make Sarah Palin vice president. I know. <laughs> it's like, excuse me, one of us here is crazy. Well, remember what we're discussing, though. I mean, he's he's talking about this Benghazi thing, you know. Oh, what are the, you know? Yeah, three I, American lives were lost. I know. There, Joe. Uh, I seem to remember him arguing in favor of the Iraq War on some pretty shaky. <laughs> well, that was like three thousand, though, or five thousand, or something. I can't count beyond three. <laughs> like five hundred thousand. Joe, they gave him rice without a roni. Okay. Yes. It was terrible. It was terrible. Terrible. Okay, who died? I thank him for his service. <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> I mean, he was dropping bombs on people. I'm sorry he was tortured, but you know what? They didn't come to Iowa and capture him. He was freaking dropping bombs on him, and they shot him down, and then they captured him. And then he got tortured. I, I wonder what would happen uh, here. I think our podcast just went out. Uh, Joe, you've gone too far. Oh, to hell with him. You're saying he pisses me, me off. You're saying mean things about McCain. He and he's named it. after the rifleman, for Christ's sake. It's like, get off my lawn. Lucas McCain. <laughs> Lucas McCain. Yeah, well, he's a prick. What else is new? Dickish, but... Yeah, well, we're going to miss Joe Lieberman, though. That's for sure. Oh, man. <laughs> His other sidekick. What the hell is the His Senate without sidekick. Lieberman? <laughs> it's two little shrimpy sidekicks. <laughs> Lindsey it's Gra- a horrible little shrimp. L- Lindsey Graham Cracker. And, and what the hell is his name? Lieberman there. Lindsay Schmo Graham. Lieberman. Droopy the Schmo Lieberman. Who's that John on C SPAN? <laughs> did we ever play that song on the podcast? We did once last Christmas. Oh we did? Okay. Are you sure? Well maybe not. I don't think so. We'll have to play that here. Yeah. Okay, well let's play it. Okay. Dun 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 Waterboarding was not clear what law it violated. The Geneva Convention did not apply until 2006. Who's that John on C-SPAN? That's a genuine Lindsey Graham. He works for Colonel Sam. Getting him off his quadrants. I went to cast my mind.
Oh my god, that's real good country music. And prescient. Joe, you were playing the banjo on that one too, weren't you? That was my first <laughs> banjo <laughs> song. Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. You better look at how many minutes this is <laughs> into the thing, <laughs> into the podcast. Eighteen minutes is okay. transpired since. So that's what you'll have to remember to plug that song in after eighteen minutes. Eighteen. <laughs> minutes. Otherwise, you'll have to listen to this bantering. Oh my God! This banter. This banter. This banter. Banter. Oh, Joe, I've got an experience to relate to you. What would that be? I did a, a kind of a presentation thing for a group of Cub Scouts. Oh. So it was on w- wetland wildlife. And and so the queen of the Cub Scouts calls me. <laughs> <laughs> they have a queen? Esmeralda, queen of the Cub Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> she was in a she was in a cabbage costume. I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> no, no, she called me. And she wanted me to go to their meeting place. And so I said, okay, sure, I I do that kind of thing. And it turns out they're meeting at, at this place called Gander Mountain, which is like a sportsman supply place. So it's yeah. like the absolute... It's like Dick's. Yeah, it's like a big Dick's store. <laughs> right. You walk in there, and there's all the Dick's. Yeah, except more hunting oriented. That's I think. what yeah. it is, Joe. It's yeah. a hunting sportsman read. Yeah, it's, it's up by it's up by where the um, where the apple where the VA is. is like that's not a VA, but the American Legion yeah, is with their attack with the attack helicopter on a post yeah, outside, that's like poised like it's always about right. to attack whoever yeah. leaves the building. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It looks yeah. like it's gonna fire fire its Gatlin guns at the little sign that says, you know, turkey dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it got against turkey dinner god bless america turkey dinner tonight <laughs> riddled with bullets <laughs> how do you think we cook it anyway so I, I went into that horrible place that has like supplies for trappers and all kind of heinous things and <laughs> the meeting is like in what they call the lodge it's like a little meeting room <laughs> in the back that looks the, the same as any any back storeroom in any, you know, retail mall store. Yeah. Except this one has, like, mounted deer heads across one side. Oh, Jesus. It's still used as a storeroom. I mean, there's tons of, like, racks of stupid hunting shirts and murder pants. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> hunting else shirts eat. and murder pants. <laughs> All kinds of murder pants. And so I... <laughs> But first, to get to the room, you have to go by the gun section. And it's like they're like marching all these eight and nine year olds between the guns. To I'm trying to, to move a little product, Matt. And the top right above the lodge is like this huge elk head, you know, very cheery. Ooh, elk head stew. And I go in there and, you know, I'm setting my stuff up and. It turns out that, you know, where the kids are sitting, right above their heads, is the, the row of deer heads. And so I'm showing a presentation to a row of deer heads and to these little kids. And the deer, poor deer are kind of, you know, looking with their oh, glass geez. eyes yes. at these videos of real living creatures of the wetlands. That's like that Republican candidate they were talking about who was, like, making that statement. I forget what the guy's name was, but he was making that statement in front of, like... 
I don't know. He's <laughs> like a, the deer congressman at the slaughter room. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was like making a statement deer. about about um, how he well he's on the science committee too, and he was talking about evolution and how it was oh, right. like the the devil's something. I forgot. What yeah. Right. It was like, yeah. Yeah. That's the devil's way, Joe. And he said the Earth is like ten thousand years old, and he knows that. I thought they yeah. used to say it Science was six thousand. I mean, is that their their way of compromising between like four point five billion and six thousand? Yeah, a Republican it... compromises. Okay, ten thousand. Yeah, I guess they uh, tagged a few <laughs> thousand on there, just in case. In case God was sleeping okay. on the it third day. It took God a little bit longer to make, you know, all those layers of shale. He didn't make the sun until the fifth day or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were a few begots in there that yeah. we, we missed. They <laughs> yeah, put all that shale in there to fool us. Yeah. Anyway, so it was a really weird presentation to all those. I got to think so. In the murder room. Yeah. The murder room. I should have brought the murder rooms. Speaking of which, Saturday the big hunting season starts, Joe. Oh, boy. Dun, 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 dun. We look forward to getting our gun fixed. In our town, you know, our little local rag came out today, and I was looking at it, and there's like been three instances just on one day of like people almost getting shot by like wayward bullets from from hunters and people trying to what already. Yes. Yeah, well, they surmised that it was people trying to sight their rifles, and so yeah. they're, like, practicing. But one, like, went through this this these uh, this family's house and just missed their little girl and kind of, like, lodged in the wall behind her head. The other one just missed a hunter who was sitting in his tree stand, probably doing the archery season, which is right now there's like a whole month of archery season or no it's like a month and a half before the the rifle season starts and and so this guy the tree he was in was like riddled with bullets from they the police couldn't find whoever was shooting and and the other case was i don't know somebody else just missed getting shot too anyway so that's the hunting news amazing on hunting radio today yeah, boy, another season here comes. For those of you who don't know, Matt spends a lot of his time out on the nature sanctuary, keeping the uh, keeping, keeping the hunters legal. at bay. Yeah, yeah. The the whole nature preserve it's two hundred and sixty acres. Doesn't sound like a lot, um, but it's it's all posted. But in order to have people comply, you have to kind of be a presence on the ground and because they can't read or don't want to read. Anyway, so just try and keep it legal up there. They don't want to be deterred by mirror signs. You and your signs. You and your uncool well, signs. Well, they invariably, you know, wound animals that, that then wander over onto the property and they, they want to eat that pulverized meat there, so they want to usually follow it. Yep. It's not a good scene. Not a very good scene at all. No, it's ugly. So besides a bunch of deers that were shot by arrows, who died this month? Oh, Joe. George McGovern. 
George McGovern died, yes. Very good man. Yeah, probably one of the best presidential candidates we ever had. At least that was endorsed by a major party. Yeah, it's funny. They played they played part of his acceptance speech, which I don't think I've ever heard in its entirety. And it was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. I've heard parts. I've heard parts of it. I, was like, I don't think I've ever Well, he gave it at like 2 in the morning or yeah. something. Which... Yeah. which so it's a tactical error, yes. <laughs> yeah, considering no one would be watching, yeah. Yeah. I remember them playing highlights of it at the time, but yeah. <laughs> what they considered there. to be highlights. Yeah, what hell? Low lights. But yes, yeah. I do. He was a good man. I so vaguely remember. remember that campaign. It was a long time ago. It was the first campaign I ever worked on, and probably the only one that I ever worked on. Yeah, you couldn't vote for him, though. You were too young. That's true. I was very young, but um, I remember. I, I guess in 1972, I guess I was nine years old or something. I remember manning a a propaganda booth in New Hartford yeah, Shopping Center. I remember Center. that. You remember that? Yeah, Sitting there, it was kind of like it's kind of like psychiatric help, five cents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like behind this kind of table. Trying to save us from Nixon. Too. And I had like you know all this. All, I had the, the McGovern Encyclopedia, several copies of it in the... Was there a McGovern Encyclopedia? What, what yeah, there was, was well, it was this big uh, print, like newsprint publication. Do you still have that? That had all of his policies sort of... I probably have a copy of it somewhere. I bet I do. I still have a campaign poster from that campaign. And he came... Oh, is it the one with the... the... Yeah, I... yeah, it's just him going... But <laughs> Joe like made any a grimacing poster. face. <laughs> it's any poster. Um, he actually came and spoke at the New yeah, Hartford Chapel. I remember Center. that. I went yeah. down there with Jed and <laughs> uh, family friend Jed. <laughs> Jed, don't call him Eck. That's or right. He'll throw you in the fire. No, Jed not, was not anymore because Jed is dead. Yes, Jed is dead. Yes, he was there. He was the only Jed we knew. Besides, Jed can't clamp it, but we didn't really know him. <laughs> we felt like we knew him. Yeah, George McGovern was... Uh, yeah, he came to New Hartford Shopping Center. And yeah. Talk New about New Hartford its only progressive moment. Talk about... It's a pretty good crowd. <laughs> talk about campaigning hard. for Yeah, it was a very good crowd. Somebody held me up because I was a little kid, and I remember seeing all the sea of people thinking, wow. I remember him being introduced by our family doctor, Dr. Oh, Kaplan. Kaplan, yeah. Yeah, and he, his introduction was very typical for him. He stood up. There, I can. Re- I still remember. He's a strange man. Yeah, I still remember <laughs> the metaphor that he used. Uh, yeah, what it was like say? comparing radicalism with conservatism. And he's saying, "Now, let me try to explain this to you." He didn't say these exact words. It was something. I'm going to try to explain this to you. I'm a doctor. I'm going to try to explain to you in medical terms. Um. A, cons- a radical is someone who, if you hurt your toe, they want to cut off your whole leg. <laughs> um, but a, a conservative is someone who, you know, your your leg could be your leg could be dead. It could be like turning black all the way up to your hip, <laughs> and it's about to fall off, and they want to cut off your little toe. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> so I think he was saying, and Nixon this is was- George McGovern. <laughs> <laughs> right and stay away from my leg what was i saying <laughs> oh yeah that's right here's george mcgovern 
Vote McGovern. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm going to sing a song. <laughs> it just ends up. I happen to bring my banjo with Bogarting me. The, the microphone for the rest of the day. <laughs> There's a little one man. How many? <laughs> how many legs must a man cut off before he becomes an MD? <laughs> And, and and then he starts uh, doing some kind of a mime bit. Anyway, so yeah, George McGovern, he's a good man. Was a good man. He had a solution to the Iraq War <laughs> back in the. He actually did come up with a very well um, worked out, you know, withdrawal plan for the Iraq War in what 2006, I think. He wrote a book with with one other. Um, collaborator I can't remember who but <laughs> I remember hearing him on a radio show about that time and I was, or it was either radio or television and he was they were saying well you know it's like um, how do you how do you pull out of a war like Iraq and he, he said well probably the best way to do it is load the troops onto trucks and head for the border <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he said well you can't said it do in that very he yeah, said it in that very kind of yes. <laughs> like, very he was a very confident man in his in his beliefs and and he was he was right <laughs> he's extremely right because he'd been through war you know he was like howard's in he'd been in, in the air force during world war Two, in a bomber that's right he got the i think he got the distinguished he got, cross, cross, yeah. he got the tin cross, Joe. He got the tin cross. You'd never know it from that election, but he actually was a decorated veteran of World War II. I think Nixon got an award too, Joe. <laughs> Just don't give him Humphrey. <laughs> he got he got like a golden card or something. Yeah. He played cards during the war. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> He, got he the, was on a ship, Joe. He was on a ship. He got the golden microphone. <laughs> <laughs> he got Elger his that's for sure. He certainly did. <laughs> Just don't give him a Humphrey. So what other piece of music do we have? We have I think we have a Rick song, don't yes, we? Yes, Rick. Rick decided that he needed one more song on the album. Oh, what was the occasion? I don't freaking know. Maybe he was confident that his buddy Romney was going to do as well as the Fox News polls said he would. It's sad to think of Rick being disappointed yet again. No, I think what Rick Rick saw Romney standing up there, getting all those cheers, and he thought, that should have been uh, me. Okay, that should have been me. So. And that, in fact, is the name of the song, is it not? Yeah. Should have been me. Should have been me. Let's hear it. It should have been me by Rick Perry and the and the Dapper Dudes. <laughs> the Dapper Dudes. I was gonna say in the Three Dicks, but <laughs> Dapper Dudes works. <laughs> the Three Dicks. <laughs> I like the Three. We'll have to use that for one of the bands. <laughs> use it. It's a band. I Joe. mean, we'll have to give them credit where credit is due, <laughs> where dick credit is due. Here it is. It should have been me Standing up there Getting the cheers It should have been you It should have been me 
quit y'all. It should have been you. It should have been me. Rocking the clown, scoring the hits. It should have been you. Well, I can't accept. No, I can't accept. No, I can't accept my loss. No, I, I will come back. I'm on the track. Well, that was wonderful. Wow, it's over already. That wasn't a very long one. Was quite wonderful. Bit of a sing along there. Bit of a sing along. Yes, and the finger snapping I thought was particularly prescient. Yes, it was urbane, I thought. It has a kind of urbane feel to I'm it. I'm going to change my name to Sebastian now. <laughs> after hearing that. <laughs> after listening to the radio, I'm going to call myself Jean Gomeshi. <laughs> How do you do? <laughs> 
I'm Sean Gomeshi. <laughs> I'm astonished to know you. <laughs> I'm astonished to know you. My name must never be spoken. He seems nice. <laughs> yes, he's very nice. So, Joe, do we have anything else to talk about? Or should we leave these people alone? I think we should let these people... Go back to the Thanksgiving dinners. It seems like there were all kinds of things we should have talked about, but... God bless them. So we have a half an hour horse show to give you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. A half hour horseshoe. <laughs> I'm going to play horseshoes. About the horse show. We're not professional actors. <laughs> Please bear that in mind. And we don't rehearse anything. <laughs> it's a wonderful show. <laughs> So do be tolerant of our amateuriety. It's time for us to go. It's time, time for us to go. We are professional singers, though. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. That's all we got. We never got around to Brubaker. God damn it, we barely talked about the hurricane. Or Jesus. Or Moses. Or any otherus. Or Daniel Day Lincoln. Or Icarus. What are we going to do? We'll have to wait till next month. The Christmas show. We never talked much about Brubaker. Never a big holiday show. Oh yeah, oh my God, not, a, not another one of those. It's coming. Look for us at big-green.net. Follow me at Big Green Joe on Twitter. I got lots to say. I'd follow you anyway. Bye now.